Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. I am your host, Diane Sorensen, certified life coach, hypnotherapy practitioner, mother, grandmother, and human fascinated with behavior and how to live our best life. My goal is to offer you another perspective, to see behavior in ourselves, our children, and others from another angle. This podcast is for anyone who wants to feel more connected in their relationships. It's for anyone who feels the pull for something more. It's for parents and those who are not. This podcast is for anyone who wants to take a deeper look because this is where we talk about breaking generational patterns and outdated cultural beliefs, cultivating deeper connections in our life, and leading our life with more confidence and clarity. And I believe that's when beautiful behavior comes into focus. You can learn more about my process, me, and the three different ways in which beautiful behavior could come into focus for you at my website at diannesorensen.net. That's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Okay, listeners, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Before we get into too far into the topic for today, I want to remind you that the Beautiful Behavior Defined Lunch and Learn for May is happening on May 18th, Thursday, May 18th at 12 o'clock central. Now, that is an hour later than last month. So just be aware of that little uh, change in time, 12 o'clock central. So plug that into whatever uh, time zone you are in, and I hope you'll join us. We This month, we're going to be talking about cultivating more compassion in our life. And as always, that will tie into uh, moving you from the drama and chaos in your life to feeling more empowered in your life. So beautiful, beautiful behavior community is all about bridging, walking across that bridge from drama and chaos to empowerment and peace. So let's get into today's episode, which is about emotional awareness. Part of that bridging that gap between the drama and chaos in our life and feeling more at peace in our life and feeling more in control in our life is emotional awareness. So I have had a lot of people talking to me about anger. You know, how do I um, control my anger? I just feel so angry. I don't know where this anger is coming from. Um, And I've also had a lot of people talking to me about... um, 
compassion and asking questions about compassion and why aren't I more compassionate and I feel like I'm not compassionate. Um, How do I be more compassionate? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about bridging that gap from anger to compassion. How I can understand my anger and how I can cultivate more compassion. So anger is fear-based, right? Anger is a protector. It shows up out of fear that something or someone is getting in the way of what I want to do or what I want to achieve or possess. So the more we believe our goals are being deliberately blocked, the more intense the anger. So the message of anger has two parts. And I learned this through Dr. Becky Bailey, um, who's a creator of conscious discipline when I was um, trained in conscious discipline. Um, But anger has two parts. And the first part is calm down. The first part is to calm ourselves. And that is needed to slow down the internal energy, like the racing heartbeat or whatever that is for you. Because without calming anger, it escalates. So calming is to unhook the stress response in the brain. So I don't, a lot of times when we we think about just, you just need to calm down, um, that can feel dismissive. So this isn't about just calm down, just, you know, get rid of the anger. This is about connecting to the anger and slowing down enough so we can actually connect to it. So we want to slow down that, uh, that emotion in inside because that's what emotions are. Emotion or energy in motion. So we want to slow down that energy because when anger starts to rise, um, there's a lot of energy moving inside. So we want to start being aware of what anger feels like in my body when it shows up. Does it does my heart, you know, start pounding fast? Does my face get hot? Do my hands sweat? What is that for you? So start to become aware of that and then start to uh, practice taking some deep breaths when you start to feel these things start to rise within you so that you can slow down that energy. And science shows that three deep breaths will unhook that stress response in the brain, allowing you to then access your higher thinking skills and respond rather than react. But this is a specific breathing. So it's three belly breaths. It's because really we are shallow breathers. Um, We are 
we live in a busy, stressful environment, culture. Uh, and so we tend to be shallow breathers and just breathe from our chest. So these are very intentional. It's, it's a very intentional way of breathing. So it's breathing in all the way down to the belly and filling the belly. So the belly comes out when you breathe in and it goes down when you breathe out. So you breathe in and that first breath out might be, you know, just a whoosh getting out some of that, releasing some of that energy. By your second breath, it may be slowing down a little bit more. And by the third breath in, by, by the time you release that third breath, release it slowly. And over time, as you practice this, by that third breath, as you release it very slowly, you will be able to feel your shoulders go down, your, the muscles in your face relax. Um, so this is a practice, and you want to practice this during calm times. So you want to kind of implement this breathing practice, uh, practice this breathing in to your day. Uh, maybe it's something you do um, in your morning routine or when you first get up in the morning or even maybe even before you get up. Um, and maybe you do it again before you go to bed at night. Um, you could start there. Just start with a really small step. Start, you know, taking those three deep belly breaths in the morning and at night. And then, you've, you know, add in doing it maybe on your lunch break or whatever that is, because you won't be able to access this in times of stress if you haven't practiced it um, in times of non-stress. So as you practice this in times of non-stress, you will be better um, able to access it during times of stress. So anger shows up because there's a perceived threat or it's a real threat. I mean, um, anger shows up as a protector for us to fight, flight, or flee um, for our survival. However, the brain doesn't know if this is an actual threat to our life or if it uh, is a perceived threat or an emotional threat. You know, emotional threats are not life, uh, doesn't, are not life-threatening. So an emotional threat might be, you know, a three-year-old or, or a child throwing a temper tantrum. It might be our teenager talking back to us um, or something else that threatens our sense of uh, authority or our sense of adequacy, our sense of worth, our sense of being good enough. So essentially with anger, the message of anger is something needs to change. However, we cannot create change 
with, unless we calm our internal state of being so that we can access the higher centers of our brain to respond appropriately in a helpful way that actually does create the change that we want rather than lashing out in a way that really does not feel good and does not take us towards the change that we actually do want. Um, When we react, we are projecting anger out on someone else. And that is not helpful. And in fact, it is hurtful. So the first step to um, managing anger is to create a calm environment inside of you uh, to listen to yourself, to listen to what that anger is um, has to tell you or show you. Um, so the first part is to take some breaths and calm that internal energy. And then the second part is change. The message is something needs to change. And this could be change in location or in an environment. Um, It could be change in a relationship. It could be a change of perception. It could be a change in action. Or it could be a change in rewriting an old story you've been telling yourself. But here's what happens. Our misguided goal is to get others to change or the situation to change. So, or to get others to change, to change the situation. So we demand that they change because in our mind, they are the ones blocking our, you know, goal from, from things going our way for us to be able to do what we want to do or achieve or possess what we want to possess. Essentially, they're blocking our happiness. And so what we're doing, again, is projecting our anger onto others. In other words, we're, we're disowning our own anger through blame. Blame projects it out onto the other person. And again, demanding that they change, which then puts you as a victim. You're powerless. You're waiting for someone else to do your work. So when you take ownership of your anger, because anger is coming from within you, whatever is outside of you isn't the cause of your anger. It may be triggering it, but it's not the cause of you. It's coming from inside of you and our emotions are driven through our thoughts. And so it's really what you're believing or thinking about the other person or what's happening outside of you. So when you take ownership of your anger in the way of, I feel angry. And so we don't, oftentimes we tell our, you know, ourselves, oh, I'm so angry which then we become the anger and we act it out. So we 
so those breaths actually help us to slow down enough and go, oh, I feel angry. You know, it slows us down enough to actually feel the feeling rather than project it out. So those breaths help you to locate where the anger is in your body. Is it, you know, oftentimes I feel anger in my gut, in my stomach. Um, Maybe you feel it somewhere else. Maybe you can feel it in your hands because your hands are clenched or whatever that is for you. But it allows you to locate it in your body. Then you can talk to the anger. And here's where the compassion piece comes in. And I know it can sound really strange to say, talk to your anger. And you can just do this in your head. Um, When you're alone, if you want to do it out loud, you can do it out loud. Um, I think that's really helpful. But, you know, you can just do this in your head. And, you know, take those breaths and then locate where that anger is. And it might be helpful to place your hand wherever that anger is coming from and talk to it. Hello, anger. Welcome, anger. I feel you right here in my, whatever that is for you, in my chest, in my stomach. I can feel you because my heart's beating fast. My face is getting hot. Whatever that is for you, breathe with me, anger. You're safe. You're safe. I'm not going to push you away. We can handle this together. And the reason I say I'm not going to push you away and you can be here, you're welcome here, is because if we try to get rid of it, if we're trying to, um, you know, get rid of the anger, And oftentimes we try to get rid of it because we think we shouldn't be angry. You know, it goes back to all of the messaging we received around anger growing up. Um, And so what we resist persists and grows bigger. And so when we suppress anger because we think it's it's not appropriate, it's not welcome, it's uh, not okay, to be angry or to show any emotion, what happens is it morphs and it comes out sideways in hurtful ways. And that's why we tend to be yellers. And we're like, I just can't quit yelling. Why is that? Um, It's because we are resisting feeling our anger. And so when we can become friends with it and know that it is not a bad part of us, anger is an emotion that is part of us. It's part of our navigation system. And again, it brings us messages. So when we can allow that in and, you know, not fight it, what happens is it let's go of us. It doesn't have to hang on so tight. It loosens its grip on us because we're acknowledging it. 
And when we do this, then I don't become the anger and act it out in hurtful ways that later I regret or feel bad about, you know, because that doesn't feel good. But it is so powerful to be able to move through an emotion without projecting it out, without losing control. Because when we're exploding, it's because anger is in control, not us. And so we want to partner with the anger. Let it know, hey, I see you. I feel you. And I like to visualize it too. I visualize a lot. And, you know, anger for me is kind of this red, fiery color. Um, Kind of like the, you know, anger guy in um, the movie Inside Out um, is kind of what I visualize anger as. And as I talk to the anger in my mind, I can visualize it, and if I look really closely, I can see how scared that it is and offer it my hand. Take my hand, anger. I see how scared you are, and you don't have to do this alone anymore. I am the grown-up in the room now, and you can take my hand, and we're going to move through this together. This is a challenge that we can move through together. And thank you for showing up to remind me that, oh, something here needs to change. And also, anger shows up is a sign. Anger showing up is a sign that what needs to change is perhaps I need a boundary because I maybe have been overstepping my own boundaries, which means I'm abandoning myself to um, please another person or, uh, you know, and that causes anger and resentment over time. So anger shows up to, to get our attention and say, hey, something needs to change here. Um, in other words, what's happening here isn't okay with me, whatever that something is. And I cannot create the change I need until I slow down my inner state, my internal emotional state, so I can access my higher thinking skills. And then I become the creator rather than the victim. So in the empowerment role, the creator is the opposite of the victim. And what am I willing to change in order to honor myself? In other words, what boundary do I need to get or to set and maintain in this situation? So Boundaries become the bridge from anger to compassion. Boundaries are what you do or don't do for you. You know, boundaries are not about changing someone else. 
It's not the other person's job to maintain your boundary. It's your job. And without boundaries, anger festers and grows into resentment. And relationships cannot thrive where resentment grows. And boundaries provide clarity for others. Through boundaries, consistent boundaries, you are teaching others how to treat you. And when you don't have boundaries, you're also teaching people how to treat you unconsciously. So healthy boundaries are consciously showing respect for ourself and modeling that to others. So and they may not they they may not like your boundaries at first, but and that's okay. But with consistency, it does provide clarity and clarity feels safe. I can trust what you say and know that you follow through with what you say. So this creates compassion for ourselves and others. We create relationships that feel good. It doesn't mean there's never any emotion. That's not at all what it is because we need our emotions, again, to guide us. Um, But it provides clarity in those relationships. So now, um, do we just know how to do this? Do we just know how to set boundaries and maintain them? No. And the reason is, is because boundaries do not exist in our traditional model. Control and conformity live in our traditional model. So as children, you know, we're just supposed to listen, you know, do as we're told. And then when we become adults, we're expected to control children. And when children try to set a boundary uh, through their protest or offering another perspective, we say they're talking back, you know, or we were told we were talking back or being disrespectful. So obligation rather than ownership is practiced unconsciously in the traditional model. So boundaries are something we have to be mindful about. Um, And as well as compassion. Compassion is something we are mindfully creating. So when we go on autopilot, that's where control is. That's where um, they just need to listen is. That's where obligation, you know, is. Um, And all of that creates anger and resentment. Um, And blame. When we're on autopilot, we're on blame. And our traditional model, the, the message was, don't take care of yourself. Take care of everyone else, right? Make sure everyone else is happy. And so we tend to attach our our value. We tend to, we matter if we're making everybody else happy. 
right? And again, this creates anger and resentment because now I've had to abandon myself to make everybody else happy. And at first, that may feel good, but in the long run, it creates anger and resentment because why isn't anybody taking care of me? Right? We expect other people then to take care of us. And, and that really gets into that codependence. So it is not compassion. So our go-to isn't compassion. We have to be, we have to uh, cultivate it. We have to really be mindful of, of creating that. Um, and so boundaries, which is something we can learn, um, is a process of learning new information and uh, practicing to integrate the new knowledge into our life. And reinvention, the reinvention program that I'm certified in, um, we learn how to, you learn how to set and maintain boundaries um, in that. And also, you can, here's another resource for setting boundaries, um, is a book, and I'll put this in the show notes too, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free by Nancy Levin, which is the creator of reinvention and who I am certified through. So you can also uh, read her book. Um, And I would also... uh, encourage you to um, be mindful. So compassion starts with self-compassion. And so that practice of the practice of breathing helps to slow you down when anger shows up. But the self-compassion practice is talking to whatever is arising in you with compassion, allowing it, you know, letting it in. I feel you. Um, You're welcome here. Take my hand. We'll do this together. I am not going to reject you. I'm not going to push you away. And you can do this when anger arises or other things too. When sadness arises, um, fear, anxiousness, you can talk to your overwhelm, your self-doubt, you know, whatever that is, and let it know you're letting it in and thanking it for being there because it does carry a message. It's, it's bringing you a message. It's showing up to get your attention, to bring you closer to your truth, to align you with your inner knowing and to listen to that inner knowing. Um, and another resource for self-compassion is Kristen Neff, who coined the term self-compassion. And you can go to selfcompassion.org and there are free resources there, free practices you can do to cultivate more self-compassion. Um, so yeah, and if you want a partner to walk you over that bridge, reinvention is that bridge and to to and I will partner with you to walk you over that if that's something that um feels in alignment with you. 
And if you are ready to be able to manage your anger, manage your triggers, because this is trigger work, and feel more in control of your life, then get on my calendar. And I will put um, all the information in the show notes. Um, So yeah. Okay, everybody. Have a great week. And remember, um, you can also come to the free Beautiful Behavior Defined Lunch and Learn on May 18th at 12 p.m. Central. And yeah, just get a little taste of what it's all about. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show or previous shows, I would so appreciate you subscribing and leaving a review. I am so grateful for all of you listeners who are joining me here for these conversations because I believe it's through these type of conversations that we start to shift the paradigm, creating a more loving and compassionate world. I hope you will join me here each week as we discover new ways to show up in our lives and create a bigger impact. And if you are ready to take this to the next level, head on over to my website at diansorensen.net. Again, that's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Get on my calendar and see how you can be supported and if we're a good fit so that you can get out of survival and into thrival. Change is possible, and I've got you.